A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and passionate following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. <laughs> 6.30 chance. This is the Eskimo Show. Now your host, Morley Scott, on Eskimos Radio. 6.30, Chad. The final game of the year. Let's light this rocket. The Eskimos and the Toronto Argonaut. Franklin takes the ball, and uh, he'll scramble to the left side, then throw it, and that is complete inside the five. Is that a touchdown? Yes, it is. Brandon Zilstra, great job getting the ball into the end zone, and the Eskimos have struck back quickly. Franklin to Zilstra. Touchdown, Eskimos. Pitched off by James Franklin, and he's got his second touchdown pass of the game, and Shakir Bell heads to the uh, end zone, and the Eskimos score again. Second and ten, motion starts, three receivers to the left side, two to the right, Franklin's looking to the left, and he's going deep again, he's got a man open, and that is complete, and Devin Bailey's heading to the end zone, touchdown Eskimos, 72 yards, James Franklin to Devin Bailey to the end zone, and that's four touchdown passes, and another one to Brandon Zilstra, and the Eskimos are starting to run away from this one on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. So it is a first down for the Eskimos. It's first and goal from the four. Lynch takes the ball, keeps it himself. Touchdown, Eskimos. They add to the totals. Jordan Lynch is into the end zone. And the Eskimos have hit 40 points yet again. And that is it. Ball game is over. 41-17. The Eskimos defeat the Toronto Argonauts here on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. And with that, the Eskimos finish the season at 10-8. And, and they will head to Hamilton to play the Hamilton Tiger Cats in uh, the Eastern semifinal. And is usually the case. First up on the Eskimos show tonight is the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Jason Moss. Hey, Jason, thanks for your time tonight. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, pretty nice way to finish up the regular season on Saturday at, uh, at Commonwealth Stadium. I imagine you came out of that game with a smile on your face. Absolutely. I mean, it was uh, one of the goals to, of that week was to finish strong with uh, the guys that were playing uh, to get better at the end of the week than we were at the beginning of it. And I thought we accomplished that. Uh, I tried to convince everybody that week that we were going out to win that game no matter what was the circumstance and very thrilled with the way our guys played and ultimately coming out with the victory. Doesn't seem like you had a hard job convincing them. <laughs> no, I think a guy, like I said before, when we when we put our roster together to be in the week, we knew the guys that were going to play were going to be excited to play and the guy, the veterans that were playing were knew they had a job to do to finish strong and um, you know, I, I was very pleased with the outcome and pleased with the execution and really the focus the whole entire week with the, the group that we had playing. You rested some guys, as we well know. Uh, you won the game, and, and I know sometimes resting players, it, it, it has an effect on the game, especially like you, you took pretty big pieces of your offense out of, uh, out of the game on Saturday, but it all finished up well. It's nice when that whole plan comes together. You got the win, and the guys you wanted to get the rest got the rest. No question. I, like I said, I don't know that there was a checkbox not marked all, all week for us. Uh, you know, I thought that was one of our best weeks of the year, to be honest with you, as far as accomplishing our goals that we set at the beginning of the week. And uh, like I talked about after the game, you know, we're on to bigger and better things now. But it was a great uh, stamp to put on the, the season um, to finish with a winning record. And obviously, uh, impressive win and home in front of our fans after being gone for so long. 
Want to talk about a couple of the guys uh, who played and uh, who we haven't seen a lot of this year, starting with James Franklin, who's uh, going into the game had thrown one pass this year. It was completed, but he threw one pass this year. Uh, he came in, and for a guy who hadn't started a football game in over a year, he looked pretty sharp. Yeah, no, I mean, we get to see James every single day, and I mean, uh, you get to see his uh, preparation and what he does after practice with our our guys on the practice roster. Uh, you know, I mean, he's a he's a pro. I mean, he, he pays attention to our meetings. Uh, he's been a part of everything all year, uh, in tune to the game, and I know it's hard as a backup at times to kind of wait your turn and stay focused for an entire year and wait for an opportunity like this. You always want to make the most of it, but I tell you what, all the work he put in throughout the year, obviously, paid off in a big way for us what's his best attribute as a quarterback i think he's uh very even keeled i think he's more positive than negative uh i think he's uh obviously physically as gifted as anybody probably in our league he can throw it anywhere throws a really nice catchable ball um he stands tall in the pocket uh you know he's big bigger than what you think too and uh but he just has a—he's a good leader. I mean, he's—he's he's got a lot of really great attributes. I mean, uh, the problem for him right now is the guy he's behind. To be quite honest with you, so yeah, that—that that is very true. Uh, yeah, he came out and—and and, I mean, it looked like no rust. Uh, the first series was terrific, two passes, and you got a touchdown. It's a great way for that—that that offense with a lot of new faces in it to start a game. No question. I mean, he's the one thing James does do very well is throw a deep ball extremely well. And we know that we joke about that in practice that, you know, if you if you run a deep ball when James is in, you better be running it to win because he's going to be throwing them. And I thought he, but I, on top of that, I thought what he did very well uh, preparation wise during the week was understanding the game plan, you know, taking what the defense was giving him. And the balls that we had weren't, weren't a coincidence what we were trying to do with him because that's one of his strengths. But I thought he put it where he needed to put him, and obviously the guys caught him, and you know, very thrilled for him to kind of, like I said, wait a full year to play and uh, work so hard to get an opportunity, and when you got it, to, to make the most of it. Bryant Mitchell uh, had uh, five catches in the game for 69 yards. Another guy that has been just working and working and working all year, waiting for a chance, and took advantage of it on Saturday. Yeah, I, I let Brian Bryant break down our our team uh, on the day four after practice there, and you know you talk about a pro, you talk about a kid that you know came in a mini camp. I know he was here last year, but he came in mini camp, working extremely hard, made our football club the way he prepared and the way he played in the preseason. But he's been on practice roster the whole entire year, but you never would know it by his attitude. I mean, he's he shows up every single day with a smile on his face. He works extremely hard. Like I said, he paid, probably paid most dividends working with James after practice than anybody, maybe Brandon as well as Ilstra. But, I mean, those guys have worked every single day. And I was I told the team, I said, if you want to be a pro, this is the way you got to act is show up from day one, smile on your face, ready to work. And then when your opportunity comes, make the most of it. Like I said, you couldn't be more thrilled for a guy like Brian to to sit around and and play behind two of the best receiving tandems in the in the game, and then get an opportunity to step in for one of them and and have a great game. Uh, you mentioned Brandon Zilstra, uh, just a fantastic game, 186 yards and two touchdowns, and we've talked about him a lot. But I mean, it's been uh, just a seamless transition for him coming into the lineup for the final six games. Yeah, like as we talked about, I mean, we've had we had Brandon since minicamp, and we knew what we had in minicamp. It was just a matter of how we would get him on the field at some point. And you know, when uh, Corey went down, as unfortunate as that was for us, 
well, we had a guy we felt that was a lot like Corey in the way he played the game and was able to do a lot of the same things Corey can do, which is block, do all the hard things in blocking that we ask him to do as far as our protection game, blocking for our running backs in the box, very tough, physically demanding position. On top of that, he's got a skill set that's very unique. I mean, he's a big guy, can get downfield, high points the ball extremely well, has great hands. Uh, runs good routes and gets separation. So when he doesn't have separation, he's got strong hands. So, um, and on top of it, he's a good yak guy. So he's kind of a, a complete package. What we've been seeing in in uh, mini camp and training camp, and then throughout the our practices. But like again, he's made the most of his opportunity, and, and that's what you can be happy, more happy for a guy that does that. Did you see anything Saturday that concerned you? Uh, to be quite honest with you, no. I mean, I was a little concerned when we got into a couple melees there and, you know, knowing that they didn't have much to play for, and we did, and if anybody would have thrown a punch or done anything stupid to get suspended, that was about the only thing that had my, you know, attention at certain parts of the game. I thought we played a pretty good, clean game all three phases. Um, you know, set what we set out to do, we did. Uh, got a lot of guys different, a lot of guys that, hadn't played a lot this year reps and i thought you know you go into a game and don't turn over the ball you don't have any penalties uh you know uh, sorry no penalties no no quarterback sacks given up uh no turnovers and limit our penalties i mean i thought it was a pretty clean game and uh you know our our defense we moved our defensive backs around a tremendous amount in that game and for them to to play as well as they did i very impressed very impressed Eskimos head coach Jason Moss with us on the Eskimos show tonight. Jason, with six games to go in the season, I think you guys were five and seven, and you kind of uh, talked about a reboot. And you had, a, I know you had some meetings with the team and told them to forget about the first twelve and concentrate on the on the final six. Uh, that final six has turned out pretty well. Uh, could you have envisioned it going as well as it has when it happened at the time? Uh, yeah, to be quite honest with you, I did envision that. I mean, that's what, what we talked about, what we wanted to have happen, and we had a vision to make it happen. Uh, you know, we had we had our staff focused on getting our players to buy into that, and I think our players did a, a great job of, of uh, circling the wagons, as people say, and just focusing on what we could control, which is those six games and one at a time. And I told them at the beginning of the year, the year itself was going to be the hardest year they'd ever gone through. To repeat it, anything is hard. Uh, but the way our schedule was set up, it was going to be difficult. And uh, down the stretch, that six games, you know, five on the road or whatever it was, and five games in 26 days could have taken a lesser team and, and buried us. But uh, I knew what we had in this locker room. We have a championship heart, championship pedigree with the right guys in the locker room. And I knew they would respond to it. And, you know, so the vision when it was laid out was exactly what it turned out to be, minus one, to be quite honest with you. I would have preferred to finish it without a blemish. But uh, going into BC plays is not an easy task. Oh, for sure. Uh, you got the Hamilton Tiger Cats on uh, Sunday in the Eastern semifinal, the uh, the first playoff game scheduled. Uh, first off, before we talk about the Tiger Cats, a little bit about this week. Uh, do you plan to do anything differently? How are you treating this week heading into the playoffs? No, this week's not going to be any different than any other week. I know people have talked before about, you know, do you change your practice time? Do you do all those things? Well, we practice at 1 o'clock our time every day. So we're on the field. We're in meetings early. So our guys are going to be used to getting up. Uh, we played, you know, in Hamilton already. You know, we played a, a, a matinee game in, in Montreal already on, on uh, Thanksgiving. So our guys know how to play when it's early. 
but no, we don't change anything. We're going to have pads on on day two like we have all year because we're we're a physical team. We need to be able to run the ball and need to be able to stop it. So, you know, we won't do anything different at all. Uh, Ticats, I would assume uh, as you look at them, uh, you're going to say there, and I think everyone, a lot of people say that, is that they're probably a better team than their record indicates. Yeah, I mean, they're a playoff team. That's the way I look at them. They're a team that's very dangerous. They're a team that plays 60 minutes. Uh, I've seen them countless amount of times this year come back on good teams uh, when they've been down. So they have never, they don't ever say die, and uh, I think that speaks volumes to the coaching staff they have put together there to to get their players to play that way. And uh, you know they're they're tough. They've got a lot of great players. Uh, you know I know they've been hit with a rash amount of injuries, and they've played a lot of players this year. But it seems like they always have someone to step up. So um, they're dangerous in all three phases, and you know we're going to have to play a, a really good um, really good football for sixty minutes in order to beat them. You were there two weeks ago. Uh, do you like that scenario? Uh, you saw them, but they also saw you. Does that game two weeks ago have any bearing on what we'll see this week in the playoff game? Well, I mean, the way I look at that game is it was for first place for them. I mean, they, they if they would have beat us, they would have had a better opportunity of finishing first. And I don't think anybody <laughs> doesn't want to finish in first when they have that opportunity. So I would assume we we got what they expect, what they assumed was their best stuff against us i know orlando has been in the league for a long time and i know he's got good stuff scheme wise no matter what he can always come up with stuff but i feel like their team gave us a great shot and we did the same and it was a close game so that's why i'm what i'm expecting uh this week no different uh we're both we both have good players uh good schemes uh, it's just a matter of will and a matter of you know probably six plays are going to determine that outcome like you always say so uh we got like i said we got to play 60 minutes of determined good football in order to beat them and we understand that when the schedule came out way back when nobody liked uh, the way that you were scheduled to finish a season with all those road games now that you know your scenario going to the playoffs i guess that's a blessing in disguise for you because you're very used to playing on the road very used to playing out east right now yeah, it wasn't going to be a, an excuse at all. So, I mean, we, we looked at it as a rallying thing for our football club. And, I mean, my whole thing the whole year was the Great Cups in Toronto. So it's a, it's a way game anyway. So you may as well get used to playing on the road. And, I mean, it, it, I guess you could say that, yeah, we, we're conditioned for it now. Um, we're better for having gone through what we just did. Um, and now it's, it's it's ahead of us. It's our Everything's in front of us and we need it to be. So, um you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a playoff game, it's a road game, and we're ready for it. All right. I know I, I don't want to get into the specifics with you. I know you don't want to do that. But uh, health-wise, are you, any major concerns for you as you head into the playoffs? Not one. I mean, we'll, we're going to play the 46 guys or have the 46 guys on our roster to give us the best opportunity to win this game. And we should have just about everyone available for that on our roster to pick from. So, um, you know, that's one thing we have done extremely well this year is stay healthy and, uh, you know, I'd like for that to continue. Great stuff. Jason Moss, thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chat. I wonder how many editions of the Eskimos show are left this year. We got one more for sure, probably more. I'm thinking the Eskimos are going to be the favorites going into Hamilton this week. It is the Eastern semifinal. The playoffs have arrived. The Eskimos and Hamilton Tiger Cats from Tim Hortons Field right here on 630, Chad. Sunday, 11 o'clock for the kickoff, 930 for the Challenge Insurance Group pregame show here on 630, Chad. Big day today in the uh, CFL. There was some news around the league, none more uh, uh, urgent or pressing or 
were larger than what happened in Montreal today. Jim Pop fired his general manager. We might talk about that a little bit later on in the program. No replacement named as of yet. Big day for the Eskimos on Saturday. They had a lot of guys who hadn't played a lot in the lineup and still won big time over the Toronto Argonauts. What was it? 41-17, the final score. The Eskimos winners. One guy who really contributed. Uh, first reception of the game in his first ever CFL game. Uh, Bryant Mitchell had a strong game, and he joins us now. Hey, Bryant, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Mark? I, I am very good, thank you. Uh, tell me about your Saturday at uh, on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Five receptions, yeah. 69 yards. Your first CFL game was a long time coming, but you made the most of it. Yeah, definitely. It was fun, man. I, I definitely enjoyed myself, you know. I definitely thank God for the opportunity uh you know, the coaches put me in some great positions, and, I mean, you see what James Franklin did. He got the ball there. Uh, I talked to you the day before the game, and you're saying uh, you were treated like almost like a job interview for next year, wanting to get some, some, some good film and uh, make some good plays so that everybody will know about you going into training camp. Do you feel you did what you had to do? <laughs> uh, I always think I could have done more. You know, I'm one of those people. I'm my biggest critic, so... You know, uh, I definitely feel there's more I could have done. You know, I, I left everything I had out there, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Tell me about playing with James Franklin, the guy that you worked so much with in practice, so much with after practice. Did that make the comfort level a little bit better for you? Honestly, yes. I mean, he, you know, it's like he throws a very catchable ball. Uh, he's definitely one of those people that, you know, uh, he definitely takes some of the stress off. You know, he, he makes those great reads and he makes great throws. And, you know, just in that aspect, it made it a lot easier to, you know, be out there. Uh, were you nervous going into the game? And, and if so, <laughs> how comforting was it to have that first ball come your way on the first play from scrimmage? <laughs> uh, I, I was I was a little nervous, you know, but I was more so uh, nervous of the expectations I set for myself. You know, I have high expectations. Uh, so, you know, I had some pretty lofty goals. But, uh, you know, I knew the first ball was coming to me. So, you know, uh, honestly, I just told myself, you got to make the most of the opportunity. And, you know, that's what I did. Sometimes they say, hey, you drop the first one, the quarterback's not coming back to you for a while. So you got to make sure, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I made sure I looked it in all the way. <laughs> Uh, you uh, you had uh, a good training camp last year and was, I think you were the last cut from the Eskimos last year. You had a really good training camp this year, made the team via the practice roster. What's the experience been like the last couple of years from you for you? First going home at the end of training camp last year, then even deciding to come back to Edmonton after they cut you last year and trying to win a spot this year. Uh, it's been a blessing, man, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think, you know, I was fully prepare uh for the task at hand last year uh you know and then coming to this year you know with a new mindset you know just ready you know just mentally ready uh, i think it, it 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 was a big challenge uh but at the same time man like i'm beyond blessed to have even gotten a second opportunity so uh it was, it was definitely fun you know and and you know, it just sets the bar higher for the year to come. Was the game on Saturday? Was it on? Uh, was it on in the states? Did the family get to see any of it? Uh, it was on ESPN three, so uh, I think that's online broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So they got to watch it there. So uh, you know, I got a couple calls after the game, which you know, it felt good essentially. Excellent, uh, Brian Mitchell. You you caught the first pass. You get your first game check. Uh, pretty good day on Saturday. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, that is receiver Bryant Mitchell of the Edmonton Eskimos. We talked with Mitchell and with Moss about quarterback James Franklin. When we come back after the news, 
We'll talk to quarterback James Franklin. That and more as we roll along on the Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. 41-17 was the final score Saturday afternoon. Pretty good day at uh, the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, wasn't it? Uh, the weather was, uh, was well, for this time of the year, the weather was spectacular. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the football was pretty good, too, led by James Franklin at quarterback. The Eskimos' offense was on fire, especially early on. What was it? Two plays before they scored and uh, touchdowns on their first four possessions. Just a great game offensively for the Eskimos, led by Franklin. Brandon Zilstra, 186 yards receiving. So a team with both Adarius Bowman and uh, Darrell Walker on it. The best performance of the year in a single game for the Eskimos goes to Brandon Zilstra. 186 yards and two touchdowns. That's one more yard than uh, Bowman had in a game earlier this year against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Defense was pretty solid, too, shutting down Ricky Ray and the Argos. 41-17. The Eskimos finish at 10-8 and and will head to Hamilton this week to play the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Eastern semifinal for the third time. The Eskimos are the crossover team. They're one and won in those crossover games. They won in Winnipeg and lost in Toronto in crossover games previously. They'll be in Hamilton Sunday 11 o'clock start, 9.30 for the pregame show here on 6.30. Chad. All right, the numbers for James Franklin who hadn't played a football game since Labor Day of last year. That's last season. Uh, So 14 months worth of uh, waiting around for a chance to start. He got his chance to start and put up some great numbers. And to uh, James Franklin on that, we say... How you doing? And congratulations on a pretty good night uh, on Saturday. Thank you very much. Um, I'm doing well. It's always feels better a couple days after once you get a win, so can't complain about that. Uh, 18 of 23, 78% success rate, 335 yards, four touchdown passes. That's pretty good work for a guy who hadn't played a football game for over a year. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, sir. It was, uh, I was a little worried going into it um, just because it hadn't played in a while, and figured there'd be some rust and of course there's a few things that uh, obviously I could have done a little bit better but um, I think the guys couldn't have gotten more wide open for me on a few of those touchdowns so that makes it a little bit easier and gives you a little more confidence when you're coming off of not playing for a while. Uh, you, you talked about uh, a few things could have gone better I imagine when you uh, when you grade out the tape and you watch the game there's a lot more good than bad in that I would think. Uh, yeah, yes, sir, definitely. But it, just a, a few things, obviously. I mean, you know, you could have a near-perfect game and there's always one or two things you can fix. And um, just a, a couple things that um, we're more certainly with decision-making, whether it be to, to hand the ball off or need to throw it hot kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully... Uh, yeah, I won't get in too much trouble for that since we got the win. <laughs> uh, getting the win is, was the most important thing. It was kind of a weird uh, a weird game because, A, uh, you were in. Uh, B, there was some other guys who were in that haven't played a lot this year. Uh, B, you were, you were huddling. Uh, there was a lot of different things about that football game on Saturday for the Eskimos offense. Yeah, yes, sir. It was definitely uh, different than what we were accustomed to all year, but um, just switching it up in a short time for a couple of guys to get used to a few of the new things so they did a really good job and uh, especially I told the old line I'd definitely give them a shout out and thanks because <laughs> the only time I got touched was on the the poorly executed QB sneak on my part but uh, other than that they kept me safe in the pocket so 
uh, with the, all the new things that went in and everything, though, the guys did a really good job handling it and executing it out there on the field. How difficult was it for you uh, to wait this long? I mean, last year you played a little bit more, obviously, because of the injury uh, to uh, to Mike Riley, and then when Matt Nichols got traded, you stepped in and got a couple of starts there. How difficult has this year been for you to be on the sidelines and, and watching and waiting? Uh, I mean, it hasn't been as difficult as um, I guess one would assume because, you know, you never know. As a backup, you could be playing – it could only be one play, and then you're basically playing the whole game, or it could be the very end or not at all. And so um, just trying to prepare each week to make sure that I'm ready for the game um, and knowing that it's one play away, uh, it kind of didn't seem like I was waiting because it wasn't like, okay, James, the beginning of the year, but week 20, you're going to start and play the last game. Um, so, I mean, if it was like that, it would definitely be a lot harder to wait. But since you have to go uh, game by game and play by play, uh, it wasn't as bad as uh, you would think it would be, at least for me this year. But definitely was nice to get some playing time. And, you know, I've been the number one guy before in, in college and gotten hurt and haven't got to play because of that. And so uh, I'm definitely glad Mike's been staying healthy and, and he's been doing a really good job of getting us some wins and getting us to the playoffs. So uh, I'm definitely glad that I didn't play because he was he went down or anything. So that was very fortunate. Were you nervous? No, sir. I was a little bit anxious just because uh, at the end of the day, it's football, um, and I knew the game plan. And uh, I was obviously, uh, I am where I am because I was. I'm doing something right, at least someone someone thinks so. So uh, I wasn't necessarily nervous, but I was anxious just because I hadn't been out there in a while. And so um, once I got out there and finally got a couple snaps, it, it started to feel a little better, and that anxiety went away. The guys you work with all season long in practice and, and after practice, for the most part, you've probably thrown more balls to Bryant Mitchell and Brandon Zilstra than anybody on this team. Uh, was there, they, I mean, uh, Mitchell had five catches for 69 yards. Zilstra was a monster with nine catches for 186 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, is there, obviously, there's a connection with you guys because you worked so much together in practice. Oh, yes, sir. And, by the way, Mitchell probably would have had uh, close to 100 yards in touchdown if I would have let him on uh, that, that throw down the sideline. But, <laughs> um, yes, sir, we, we do a lot. I mean, well, we, it's one of those things, too, where I mentioned before, it's not like we planned, like, you know, hey, let's make sure we throw a lot together so that way at the end of the season or whenever we get the chance to play and we'll have good chemistry, um, it's just all of us wanting to get better individually. And then when we do that, I mean, we need each other to get better individually, and it makes us have that chemistry that, is very helpful on the field and that you feel very comfortable with. And so um, all the time thrown after practice and, and even during practices to each other, uh, it helped out a lot in that game. Uh, even uh, at the uh, the first series, I mean, two passes and a touchdown, is there a better way to start a game confidence-wise? Um, I guess one pass uh, and a touchdown, I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir, I guess that would be the only thing. But, um, yeah, it definitely boosts your confidence when you can – just throw two passes and kind of let the receivers do the rest. Now, I know you helped up the cameraman in the end zone, but did you knock him over too? Uh, I, <laughs> I believe I did, yes, sir. I uh, I didn't hit him hard, all right, so let's not, let's not jump to conclusions. But um, <laughs> he was not paying attention. Oh, he was paying attention, but not paying attention to me, and I was coming up from behind him. So I just barely nudged him, you know, just a little tap, but he wasn't expecting it, and he went down. Not not to say that he's a weakling or anything. He was pretty strong, um, but 
he was definitely caught out a little off guard, and uh, I felt pretty bad after that. Although I, think he, I did laugh at him. I think he was trying to draw a penalty. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised. Uh, tell me about your football team right now. Um, you were around all of last year and saw the confidence build, especially after Mike came back and you guys won the 10 straight to win the Grey Cup. What's it? You're a guy, I know you're a smart guy and you notice everything. What's your feelings about this team now? What do you see now with this team compared to last year at this time? Uh, honestly, I feel pretty good about it. It's, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, we, did, uh, we didn't win the uh, we didn't clinch first, and so we don't have that first round buy and everything like that. But as far as the attitude and how some of the guys have carried themselves and their demeanor, uh, it's very similar to last year. It's not exact, but it's very similar. And so going into the playoffs, um, I, I have a pretty good feeling about it, and I'm, I know a lot of the other guys do too. And so I, I think definitely getting a win and seeing some of the, the younger guys and new guys play um, a couple days ago in the game, I definitely think you know that'll carry some momentum over. But uh, definitely how the team is now and how the attitude is and how guys are feeling and, they're, and how they're behaving is very similar to last year. It doesn't seem to bother anybody that uh, you're going to have to play uh, on the road or play in the East for these playoffs. No, sir, uh, it doesn't. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we'd like to, to play in the West and or play at home especially, but um, knowing what we know and knowing that we have to go over there, I think everyone's come to terms with it and they're really excited about it. James Franklin, I appreciate your time tonight. Congratulations again on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Solid, solid performance on Saturday by James Franklin. Maybe the most polite athlete I've ever interviewed. Uh, we certainly have our fill of uh, yes, sirs, and no, sirs for this evening, uh, don't we? Always a pleasure to talk with James Franklin. Uh, tremendous game for him on Saturday, especially when you consider the circumstances of not having played for so long. Uh, the Eskimos going to Hamilton to play the Ticats on Sunday, 9.30 pregame, 11 o'clock for the kickoff. The West semifinal will be in Vancouver between the BC Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We've got more when we come back. It's 9.45. You're listening. Sorry. Let's back that up again. Last week at this time, it was 9.45. Right now, it's 8.45. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on 6.30, Chet. You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimos Radio, 6.30, Chet. 8.49 in Edmonton. Uh, this is The Eskimo Show via our text line at 6.30, It's nice to hear such a respectable young man as Mr. Franklin. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, he's very honest, very respectful, and uh, very polite. And I'll tell you what. When he was the starter in the game on Saturday in the live mic game, there was no one at TSN worried about a cuss word coming out from James Franklin because that just does not happen. Eskimos won on Saturday against the Argos. They're in Hamilton on Sunday for the Eastern semifinal. The uh, playoffs are here. Do or die time now for teams in the Canadian Football League. To talk a little bit more about the Hamilton Tiger Cats now, we bring in uh, Jamie Thomas, a former... uh, Edmontonian, friend of the show as well, who is now the uh, uh, pre-game, post-game host for Ticats uh, Radio Broadcast. Uh, Jamie, how are you? Very good. Thank you very much, Marley. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Tell me about these Hamilton Tiger Cats. They're not exactly going into the playoffs on fire. Uh, they've lost their last three games at home. They finish up with two straight losses. Uh, they've only yep. won one of their last six games to end the season, almost exactly mm-hmm. opposite of the way the Eskimos have finished the season. What's going on with the Ticats? Well, uh, to put it simply, Marley, it's just injuries, injuries, injuries. Uh, they have no Luke Tasker. They have 
Uh, no Andy Fantus. They have no Chad Owens. Uh, tons of injuries on the defensive side of the football. Uh, they did get Keon Raymond back a week ago. He played against Montreal OS. But in short, uh, the offensive line has been ravaged with injuries. Uh, they just haven't been able to get a consistent offensive line going or, for that matter, a consistent lineup of the guys that when Ken Austin put his team together to start the year, it just hasn't all been together because of, of all the, the, the bad injuries and the timing of the injuries. And just to be clear, none of those guys, obviously except for Raymond, are expected to play on Sunday? Yeah, there, there would be a miracle if Luke Tasker plays. There's a chance that Courtney Stevens, who is a, a Canadian that plays free, free safety for Ticats, he might play. Uh, Rico Murray, a strong side linebacker, could come back into the lineup, but this is this is a bunch of maybes. They, they were poking their head around practice last week, and as you know, Morley, uh, guys want to play badly, and if they want to play badly enough, uh, maybe they'll just put that injury in the back pocket. But for the time being, no Luke Tasker. No, Andy Fantuz is out for sure, and Chad Owens is out for sure. And as far as the miracle comment goes, don't forget it's playoff time. It's the season of yeah. miracles, right? Yeah, yeah. And anybody will, you know, you don't know what these guys are going to do. Uh, take an extra shot or whatever, or, or you know, freeze up a certain part of their body so they can play for three hours. It, it's hard to say, but um, it's consistency to me is is a success for any type of football team going to playoffs. And I don't think you can just flip on the switch and everything is going to be okay. The one thing they do have going for them is. Is that Caleros is back uh, from his concussion that he suffered against the Calgary Stampeders back in October, and uh, he, he looked pretty good. You saw him against the game against the Eskimos. He was all right there, and then he was all right in a couple of dive, uh, drives against the Montreal Alouettes. He came out early because they didn't want to get him hurt again before the playoffs. But uh, anytime you have number four back there, there is a chance things can go well for you. And um, I mean that—that's the one positive there. You, you have. Um, Adrian Tracy and John Chick. John Chick's been a pain in the, in the side of uh, Eskimo teams in yeah. years past. He's a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, I mean, seriously, if there was a comeback player of the year award, I think John Chick would probably be the front runner for it because he's been that good for the Ticats this year. And uh, every sack he's got this year, he's earned and he, he never stops going. And that's the one thing I've really been impressed by him this season. And especially when a guy that was written off by Chris Jones and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's, it's been a great addition to the Ticats this year. You mentioned uh, uh, Zach Kolaris. Is there any yeah. issues with him health-wise? Is he 100% right now? I know there was some talk when, when we were there a couple of weeks ago, the fact that, yeah, he's coming back from the concussion, but he's been yeah. playing hurt for a lot of the season and still might not be right. Yeah, I don't. I, I, he's been taking a pounding this year, Morley. They, just, they can't seem to um, – they were having problems with left tackle and right tackle throughout the season. Of course, they got Xavier Fulton from the – uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders to stabilize that. Terrence Campbell's the right tackle. He's been hurt off and on too, but he, Zach Caleros, they haven't said what else is wrong with him, but I think it's safe to say if you look back to his body of work a year ago before he got hurt in that game against the Eskimos, the knee injury, he just hasn't been the same. And that tells me that he's, he's hurt more than he's letting on and more than the team's letting on. And uh, again, with the front four playing as well as Edmonton's is right now and the struggles that are going on, um, with the with the uh, tie cat offensive line, uh, Caleros and the, and 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 Ken Oster are going to have to figure out a way to get the ball out of his hand a lot quicker. Uh, hopefully, involve C.J. Gable, the running back, a lot more than they have been in, in weeks past. And you know what, uh, Ken Austin is a pass first offense, Morley, but it's really been giving defense, you know, just key off on Zach Caleros' time because they know he's passing. They know they're not going to run the football, so it'd be nice 
and Caleros has been calling for it to involve C.J. Gable a lot more in the offense, and that uh, might be some way to slow down that front four of the Eskimos in the pass rush. Well, he had a great game against the Eskimos two weeks ago, for sure. You're right, uh, whether it was yeah. running the ball or, or getting passes as he as he escapes from the backfield. Uh, you, yeah. you talked about the offensive line. Uh, I mean, I was shocked when, when you look at the stats at the end of that game two weeks ago. The Eskimos didn't, yeah. have, didn't have a sack in the game, but they were all over Zach Kolaris. They had all sorts of pressure on him, and, and I don't think he dealt with it very well. No, he didn't, and, that, and you can't blame him, right? When Odell Willis was coming off the end and uh, Mondo Sewell and, and the likes of that, it's, it's a problem. And uh, it, we were noting in our postgame show when you guys were last here a couple weeks ago, that it was Odell Willis. You saw him everywhere, and, and Caleros didn't know what to do with it. The podcast didn't have an answer for him, and it's been a problem. The Ticats have ran the football in the first drive of football games, and they completely get away from C.J. Gable after that. So to me, the only way you're going to stop the likes of Odell Willis from hurting your quarterback is involving C.J. Gable. So hopefully they – I don't want to say they're going to come to their senses because I don't – I'm not a coach. I just tell you what I think What I think is going to work for you, and uh, hopefully they, they come around to this that, that way of thinking on Sunday. Yeah, it, you think that they'd run the ball more with so many receivers out of the lineup, right? Yeah, and it, it only makes sense. And uh, they're not blessed with a Bowman. They're not blessed with a Darrell Walker. They're not blessed with a Zilstra at this point. So uh, you, you have to use your best players that are available to you, and if, if they have to throw a swing pass or, or something to C.J. Gable, like he – he showed what he can do if you give him the football, and, and he's one of those guys, Morley, the more you give him the ball, the stronger he gets as the game wears on. And, yeah. uh, in a game where the Ticats are going to have to literally be perfect, uh, he's, he, to me, is, is the key to that perfection. I know it's the playoffs and anything can happen, but it sounds like the Eskimos are going into this game as, as the pretty clear-cut favorites, I would think. Yeah, and there's only a – the last line I saw was a 3.6, and I'm like, how much of a home-field advantage do you take from – a team that uh, has lost four straight at Tim Hortons Field and have completely lost that mystique that they had when the building first opened. They started 9-0 and uh, when it first opened. That, of course, a big part of that to a, a healthy Zach Caleros and a healthy offense, period. But uh, I, I'm curious. I think that line's going to go up a little bit higher as the week goes on. Uh, if the likes of the Tasker and them aren't, aren't, aren't going to make miracles happen and come back to the lineup. Great stuff. Jamie Thomas, I appreciate your time. We'll see you on Sunday. We appreciate it. All right, that's Jamie Thomas from Hamilton. Also, thanks tonight for guesting on the Eskimo Show to quarterback James Franklin, receiver Bryant Mitchell, and Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. Also, thanks to our studio producer tonight, Kellen Kennedy. It's uh, November 11th is coming up soon. Please remember, buy a poppy and wear a poppy. My name's Morley Scott. Have a good evening, everybody.